Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Loses its flavor. How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, before people, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's go ahead and pray and continue to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we recognize your presence here with us through the person of your Holy Spirit. And we open our hearts, we open our minds, and we ask you to change us. We come willing to change. We come desiring to look more like Jesus Christ when we leave this place than when we came in. We know the reality of the work of redemption that you began in our lives. We are born again. But Father, we desire that that life of Jesus Christ would shine out of us and through us as Jesus taught us to be a light in the world that cannot be hidden. We ask you to speak to us today, change us, rearrange us, and we thank you for it ahead of time in Jesus' name, amen. So this Sermon on the Mount is a very well-known passage, no question there, Uh, one of the even by secular standards, would be one of the most well-known speeches, if you want to call it that, one of the dialogues that's most celebrated around the world, even among people that are not followers of Jesus Christ. And it's because of the salient, uh, jarring things that Jesus said that to our ears, maybe as Christians, we're used to having, having heard those things. And yet, it's easy to realize, or fail to realize, rather, how innovative and how even provocative these statements were in that culture and in this fallen world that we live in. And that really kind of goes to the heart of my message. You know, uh, in the video, you see that we're traveling to nations around the world to present the gospel, to present the message of Jesus Christ. Now, we would never do that unless we were fully convinced that Jesus really is the way, the truth, in the life. We would never do that if we thought that he was just a good teacher or another philosopher among so many others. We would never do that and uh, travel these distances and go to these lengths and even face dangers. We've really faced few dangers compared to many missionaries through the centuries that have even given their lives to take the message of Jesus to people that have not heard it. And we would not do that if it were not for this faith that we have, this good news of the gospel that asserts that Jesus is more than just a man, that he is indeed God, that he is indeed the savior of the world, that he came in human flesh, took on our condition, lived like us apart from sin, and did everything that was necessary on the cross and in the resurrection so that you and I could have peace with God, so that you and I could receive forgiveness of sins, yes, but so much more. We could actually become 
partakers of the life of God. We could actually be partakers, sharers in the divine nature. And it's so amazing. It's so amazing. And so that's the message that we take around the world as believers. Now, you may not be called to go to these faraway places, but all of us as believers are called to share our life witness with those around us. And when I say life witness, I'm distinguishing it from simply the words that we say. And that's what I want to emphasize today. You saw there in the video, the preaching, the proclamation, and we believe, you and I believe that, yes, we do go out and we do proclaim the gospel. But that proclamation would fall flat. That proclamation would be vacuous. It would be empty if it were not accompanied by the change and transformed life that we live before the world because of the power of Jesus Christ. And so those two elements are not separated in any way. It's all one and the same. And so our witness of Jesus Christ is more than just words. It is the testimony of a changed life. And I know that you and I, you know, we could go around this room if we had time and talk about the ways that Jesus has changed our life. That's why we're here today. Maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you're exploring. Keep exploring. Keep looking. Because Jesus is really who he said he is. And you'll find that he is more than you even expected. As believers, I want to encourage us today, don't underestimate, never underestimate the power of Christ-centered living. Never underestimate the power of, of just living with Jesus. I, I remembered it many times over the years, but uh, one of my wife's cousins came to visit us at our home when we lived in Michigan, and we were just spending the day together. Um, I don't really remember the occasion, and just, you know, no, no party going on, no holiday. It was just uh, a day among family, and at one point in the day, Christina's cousin approached her, and she said, I never knew that a family could be like this. And we were kind of surprised. I didn't really know what she was talking about. And she opened up and shared how she had grown up in such turmoil and heartache and betrayal even by her own parents and so many things that she had suffered from her youth, um, sexual abuse and, and all kinds of other abuse and neglect. And she said, I never knew that a family could live at peace with each other like this. I never knew that you could live with each other and not argue and fight and bicker and be angry and, and all these things. And I, you know, honestly, I didn't think I was batting very well that day. <laughs> not that it's about me, that's not my point, but I didn't feel like I, I, I actually slipped up that day and got angry at one of the kids a little bit and kind of laid into them. And I don't remember which one, but uh, we'll say it's Lucy because Noah's here, but um, but you know I kind of I kind of lost my temper, but I repented. I remember that I apologized. So apparently even that made an impression. So you and I as believers, you know, sometimes we think, well, I want to share my faith with people, but I don't know what to say. I don't know how to convey the message. And one of my callings as an evangelist. Really, I have two functions in the body of Christ, not just me, but any evangelist, 
has this dual function. One is toward the world to share the message of Jesus, but the other one is within the body of Christ to help believers to really reach their potential in terms of sharing their faith with those around them. But I think it's easy to get caught up with uh, the words of the message and fail to recognize the impact and the importance of this life that we live with Jesus, this day-to-day life as he shines out of our life. It's powerful. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. And so Jesus in Matthew 6, where we just read, we'll dig into this a little more. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And there's so many things in this metaphor that Jesus uses, uh, the salt, I won't get into all of that, but many applications of what this means. But I want to draw attention to what he says, um, that if it loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned or salted again? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. Anytime you read the word men in the scripture, typically you can safely translate it people. Many modern translations do, in fact, translate it. I think it's good to to draw that out. But this salt, uh, as he calls it, this distinction of our life as Christians, um, it has a flavor, you know. It's something that people can perceive. They can taste it, if you will. And if we lose that, then we're not able to serve the purpose of God that he put us in the earth to accomplish. If we begin to take on the flavor, we could say, of the world, and there's no distinction between the way we live and the way the world lives, then we will lose uh, our witness. Our witness will become debilitated. And so that's an important thing to consider. Uh, Jesus saying, we are the light of the world, verse 14. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. There's no way really to completely hide what we have on the inside of us. Not that we would want to, but it's futile to even try to, to hide this because it just is so different. It stands in stark contrast to this dark world that we live in. And, and Jesus talks to this very point in verse 16. He says, let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I find it interesting he didn't say, uh, let your light so shine before people that they may hear your good words and glorify your Father or, or hear the content of your message or uh, be indoctrinated with your teaching. No, he said, let them see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so this is a, a twofold uh, reality. You know, there's a, I guess a a balance, so to speak, in what Jesus is talking about. On the one hand, you and I uh, should be eager to remove any barriers, anything that would get in the way and impede people around us from coming to Jesus, from coming to the gospel, you know. And so we don't have to be weird just for the sake of being weird, okay? You're already weird, I'm weird, you're weird, right? 
uh, you know, it says we're a peculiar, strange people. We really are. I mean, honest to God, we are. That's not even funny. That's just the reality. Um, so on the one hand, you and I as Christians do stand in contrast to the world. We're peculiar. We don't have to do anything to manufacture that. That's already going to be the case. Um, but we don't want to just load on, uh, let's say, religious or external kind of trappings that, you know, well, we, we talk a certain way and, you know, we don't say God anymore. We say God, you know, all the time and just things like that. You know, those are things that, you know, kind of I would liken them to a barnacle on the hull of a ship. They just get attached. Sometimes you got to knock them off every once in a while. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. That's really not the heart of the gospel anyway. Those are just externals. So we don't want to let external things, those barnacles, attach to us that would cloud the clarity of the gospel, the clarity of the message of Jesus Christ. We don't want to do anything or say anything that would be out of a, uh, an attitude of disdain, or God forbid, hatred, or judgment, or anger. Those are, are not conducive with, with our role as carriers of the good news. At the same time, all that said, we have to remember that there's no way for a true follower of Jesus Christ to also be accepted by the fallen world system. There's no level of accommodation that we could ever do that would f make us palatable uh, or take that flavor away hardly without us conforming completely. And so there is always going to be, for the true follower of Jesus, there's going to be uh, love, yes, uh, acceptance, yes, outreach, compassion, all of these qualities that really are the heart of Jesus himself. But never to the degree that, or I should say we should not mistake those qualities for uh, the idea that we would be accepted by the world system. Jesus said, hey, if everybody speaks well of you, be careful, you know. Jesus is attractive. I've found him to be the most compelling and attractive person that's ever walked the face of the planet. He's changed my life, yet, for all of that beauty and all of that wonder, and I don't understand this, uh, there are those who, for whatever reason, don't accept Jesus Christ. Uh, many times it could be the church and the witness that we give or fail to give. Um, but Jesus himself said that uh, there are those in John chapter 3, we all love verse 16, but if you go to verse 17 and he says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved or through him speaking of himself in the third person. And then he goes on to say in verse 18 that this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Of course, he is the light coming into the world. And he said, uh, men love darkness rather than light and would not come to the light lest their deeds should be exposed. But those that are of the truth come to the light that their deeds may be clearly seen, that they've been done in God. And so Jesus was very clear that there's a condition of the heart that makes the decision. It's not, it's not the quality of the object. It's not even necessarily the uh, 
presentation of that object being Jesus. Uh, I should say subject, he's not an object, but that's not the question. He said that even as light, he himself comes into the world. There are those for reasons we may not fully understand that rather than being drawn to the light, turn and flee away from it. And so we have to keep that in mind as Christians that just because you're the coolest person that ever graced the planet uh, and you're just the sweetest thing since honey was invented, you know, there will be times when just simply being a Christian will cause you to be hated. Um, I've got friends that have uh, had stoned, you know, they've been literally stoned for sharing the gospel. Now that's maybe not common. And for the people that are like that, that would reject, there's so many that do receive. And I've seen those people all over the world that as soon as they see a clear presentation of Jesus, they open their heart wide open. They wholeheartedly accept him. And so we've seen that. I, I remember one time I was in Uganda and we were getting ready to do a big open air meeting and we were visiting the grounds, kind of doing some preparations, making sure everything was in order. And as I went to this big field, of course, there's nothing there really, no people hardly. There's a few young men there and uh, they were, um, what do you call them? Like delivery, delivery guys. They would do deliveries on their motorcycles and they had their motorcycles there washing them up. And I just started to talk with them. Um, a lot of people in Uganda speak English. And so just struck up a conversation with them and uh, one of those young men, uh, I uh, just began to talk with him, and, and he said, hey, I've, I've got a question for you. And I, and I said, okay, what is it? And he said, how, how do I become born again? So, I mean, he was right there just like, you know, easy to pick, just bump the, bump the branch a little bit and, you know. But, you know, there's people like that, and those are the ones that we're going after um, as we live our witness. And so we remember that um, the world system, and we're not talking just strictly about people, but the values, the, the fallen, corrupt world that we live in uh, is a night and day difference between the kingdom of God. The Bible's very clear about that. And so we have to be aware of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you want to go over there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. The verses I'm reading very often are associated with marriage, which I guess they would be applicable to that as well, but certainly not limited to that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked or bound together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion, what, what in common has light with darkness? Verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 
And so, interestingly, these verses in 2 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, which um, interestingly actually is 4 Corinthians, I think, because a couple of his letters got lost. But anyway, he makes reference to them, and, but we only have two in, in uh, extant status, so 2 Corinthians for our purposes. But at any rate, chapter 5, just a little before these verses, he goes in depth to this idea that the love of Christ compels us and we're ambassadors for Christ and God is pleading to the world through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And just right on the heels of this beautiful passage on the power of our witness and this calling to take Jesus to the world, we're followed by this warning that uh, we have to remember that though we're, uh, our mission is to people that don't know Christ, we are a distinct people. We are a distinct people. We stand in contrast. We don't stand apart, but we stand distinct. And that's an important point. So the strength of our witness is in our distinction from the world. As we read earlier, that salt, that flavor if we lose it, Jesus said, uh, it's good for nothing at that point, to, but to be thrown out. And so the value of our witness, the strength of our witness, is that distinction from the world. Christ offers us something uh, that we don't have without him. Uh, and so it's the value of it is this distinction, this exclusive life that we have that we didn't have before. That's what gives it value. And the Jesus life stands in stark contrast to the fallen world, to its system, to its values. And as Jesus said, that cannot be hidden. And so um, Jesus said a little earlier in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, in verse 43, he said, You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And then Jesus shows us how to do that. He tells us what that looks like. He says, bless those who curse you. That's speaking like Christ do good to those who hate you that's acting like Christ and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that's thinking like Christ verse 45 it says that you may be sons or daughters of your father in heaven wow and so we do right and think right and act right. First of all, it comes out of who we are in Christ. We're not going to manufacture this. This isn't something that we, you know, that's what was so jarring about what Jesus said because by human capacity, his standards were unattainable. His standards of, of righteousness and, and uprightness were so stringent that they even went beyond the requirement that the Pharisees had loaded on people, and that was already too much to bear. And then Jesus is saying, actually, if you want to really 
uh, do it according to God's standard, it's even higher than you thought it was. But thank God Jesus didn't leave us there to struggle to attain right standing with God. He paid the price for our sins. He poured out the life of God and where death was in our life, he poured out the life of God and brought us back from the dead, resurrection life, and we are born again. And so we are able to live this life because of the life and the grace of God on the inside of us, amen? Praise God. And so he instructs us to do these things so that we may be children of our Father in heaven. I think it's so powerful to see again this idea that our words and our actions, and even our thoughts, the way we think about people, reflects our Father. It allows us to look like our Father in heaven. It allows us to be conformed to the image of Jesus so that when people see us, they see Jesus Christ. And so we can be made to look like God. I love the way that an old, uh, an old saint of the church way back from the fourth century, Saint Athanasius said it. You know, Brother Athanasius, you know, he used to come to the picnics. It's kind of funny. In, in American Christianity, we kind of think about these historic figures like they're just uh, an object we can talk about when they're actually part of the family. You know, they're more alive than we are. And uh, so, you know, Athanasius of Alexandria in Egypt, back in the fourth century, he said that we're becoming by grace what God is by nature. I love the way he said that. We're becoming, Jesus is making us by grace what he is by his very nature. You know, the characteristics of God flowing out of our life. Have you ever been around a really holy person? Well, your stunned silence isn't very assuring. <laughs> Maybe you haven't. And I'm not talking about somebody that walks around, you know, like they're floating around, you know, mystical and, you know, in a flowy white dress or something. That's just the guys, you know. But um, that's not the type of holiness I'm talking about. But when you see somebody that displays what has to be a supernatural character, you know, when people that, uh, when a Christian, for example, I saw a young, uh, a young man, some of you may have seen this in the news recently, that was uh, in the witness stand giving testimony in court uh, toward the man that had murdered a, a close member of his family. I think it may have been his brother. And the young man there asked the judge, could I give the defendant a hug? And the judge said, you may. He came off the stand, and the defendant who had killed this brother just broke down uh, by this display of love. That's the type of holiness I'm talking about, holiness uh, that's so different from the world system that it's, it's strange and it's peculiar. People don't act like that. People don't respond that way. And yet, because of the transforming power of Jesus Christ, we can actually live lives that leave people uh, jaw-dropped because of the power of Jesus in us. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about working really hard. I'm talking about 
uh, living a holy life is, what does that mean? Set apart to Jesus, set apart to follow him with such passion and, and dedication and, and such uh, a closeness of relationship that when people see us, it's like they're meeting Jesus. And it's possible. That's the goal. That's what we're heading for. That's what Athanasius was talking about, that we would become by his grace what God is by his very nature. And so that's the challenge. And I can tell you, uh, is it a high standard? Uh, yes. Jesus has met the standard for us. And only through him can we walk into that reality. But it's a beautiful way to live, to live with Jesus every day, to enjoy his presence, to walk with him. And that has to shine through. There's no other way. It has to shine through. It would be impossible to be otherwise. And so I'd like to pray for you today. If, if we could stand together, we're going to take communion in a moment. But I'd just like to pray uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Um, you've, you've been great. You laughed at some of my jokes. Um, you know, that's, that's always nice. But um, what's really even better is for us to leave this place uh, closer to Jesus in our heart. And we've seen Jesus uh, do miracles around the world. And when I say seen it, you know, things, uh, visible, physical miracles that we've seen Jesus do. And many times people ask me, you know, um, is that a, a special grace on your life? Or is that a gift of healing? I don't know about that. Maybe it is. I don't know. That's not the important thing. The important thing is, and I truly believe it, the reason that those things happen is because Jesus is presented with such clarity that people can really get a good look at him. And when you see Jesus, you'll never be the same. When you see Jesus, it changes you on the inside, and it makes you and I something that we were not before. And so I want us to get a look at Jesus today. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. Lord, uh, the connection, my connection with this body goes back way, way into the 1980s. Wow, that's a long time ago. But Father, uh, Jesus has always been the center of this gathering of people that's the that's what has brought us together he is the one that has brought us together and we focus on him father today we decide to forgive like jesus forgave we release bitterness we release anger those that have done wrong to us we release it father and allow you to deal with that situation we don't want anything to blur or to opaque the light of Jesus in our life. We don't want that poison to contaminate our soul and our heart. And so, Father, we release it. We forgive ourselves. Father, those of us here, we could say, wow, my conscience has, has been bothering me for something that I knew wasn't right. We, we repent, we turn, we recognize uh, what you say about that, 
that act, that behavior, that thought. We don't have to beat ourselves up. Jesus was broken for us. We turn to him in faith and we thank you that his blood makes us clean and makes us right with God. Jesus, reveal yourself today. Reveal yourself through healing. Lord, I, I'm reminded uh, as we prepare to take the elements of communion, I'm reminded of, of right here in this church of, of a young man whose ear was opened, a deaf ear that was opened as he partook of the body and blood of Jesus. It's powerful. We don't approach this time, Lord, as just a religious exercise, but we come with real, simple, childlike faith. We know that you are present. We know that you are with us. We know that you are love, and you are lifting us, and washing us, and redeeming us, and saving us right now. We believe it. Hallelujah, Pastor, thank you. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.